Tonight we want to continue our series on the message of Jesus Christ to the churches. We have learned in the past three Wednesdays that Jesus Christ wrote a letter to the church. He is the owner of the church. He is the founder of the church. All founders are sub-founders under the founder. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All shepherds, all pastors, we are under shepherds, under the chief shepherd. Amen. Glory be to Jesus. Amen, amen and amen. amen. And sometimes it's very interesting some of the titles that we carry these days. I wonder if Paul was around what he will carry himself. But let's be humble servants of the Lord. Amen. amen. Glory be to Jesus. We have seen that Jesus wrote to the churches, and those are the things that are still existing. And so, when we learn these lessons, we compare it to our current situation in our church and see, are we still up to standard because he's still judging us by the same things. It is only from the events of chapter 4 to chapter 22, those are things that will happen after the church has been raptured. We have learned these things. Now, in the last two Wednesdays, two Wednesdays ago, I shared with you from the message to the church in Thyatira. And we realized that they were serving God, but then there were compromises. The spirit of Jezebel was being allowed to teach. Jezebel was flowing in the church. And so there was a heresy issue and there was an issue of immorality. Now, last week we studied about the message to the church in Pergamos. And we saw that they were committed as well. They sacrificed. Some died for the gospel. Whilst there was also compromise there. And in their case, it was the case of the doctrine of Balaam. And the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And we established last week. That the doctrine of Balaam is a greedy spirit. At the expense of salvation. At the expense of standing for Christ. At the expense for doing what is right. As far as the word of God is concerned. This spirit is a compromising spirit. That allows greed and worldly pleasures to take away their concept and their fear of God. Then also the Nicolaitan doctrine is that which makes you actually no longer hold in high esteem that which is holy. So it downplays what is holy. And the Bible says Balaam then taught the people. It's a deceptive, it's a seducing spirit and it is a spirit that makes people no longer fear God. No longer honor what they used to honor. They no longer have respect for the fear of God and the word of God. The things that are supposed to be held in high esteem, in holiness and fear of God. This spirit makes people to lose regard for that. And so that was the problem in the church in, in, in um, Pergamos. This evening, I want to speak to you. Concerning the church in Sardis, Sardis, S-A-R-D-I-S, and it has nothing to do with Sardine. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. <laughs> Those of you that took Sardine to boarding school, Titus Sardines, we thank God for his grace. Amen. Glory be to Jesus. Now, the church in Sardis also received a message. And it is very, very important that I pray that these teachings are not things that you just come and enjoy and go away. But I want you to reflect on them because the one that spoke these words is still the Savior. He's still Jesus and he's still monitoring this. Whatever the seven churches were, they are still a reflection of the state of the church and the state of the Christian today. And the state of the pastor today. So the church in Sardis, I want us to look at it carefully. Re Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Let us read the word of God. It says, to the angel of the church in Sardis. We have also established from the beginning of the series that the angels of the churches were the pastors and the ministers of the church. And then the Seven spirits of God represent the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That is the presence of the Holy Spirit that is overseeing the churches as it is today. It is the Holy Spirit that is watching over the church and overshadowing and overseeing the church. Amen. And the seven stars were the pastors. Now it says, to the angel of the church in Sardis, 
write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Jesus said, he's the one that actually holds the Holy Spirit. Remember that we are baptized with the Holy, the Holy Spirit is given through Jesus. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. Now he says that, um, when he says, when I go away, I will send you another comforter. I will send the Holy Spirit to you. So he said, I am he that holds the seven spirits. The revelation John saw in chapter one, Jesus was holding seven spirits and the seven stars. And the seven stars represents the pastors of the churches. The seven churches. And the Bible says, when he came this time introducing himself, he described himself as the one who is one with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the overseer of the churches. Concerning the work Jesus gave the church, the Holy Spirit is the director of operations. That is why he even told the church from the beginning that don't do anything about the instruction I've given to you unless you be endued with power from on high. You shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit and you shall do the work of the ministry. So the Holy Spirit is overshadowing the churches and Jesus also introduced himself as the one who is actually holding the pastors. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors for the equipping of the saints. So he's the one that is actually in charge of them. He's the one that holds them. And he introduced himself this way for very important reason. I told you at another set of series, I'll teach you what each of these introductions mean. He says, I know your works. Throughout the teaching, we have noticed Jesus knows the work of the church. The things that we have been doing in his name. He knows all. We can pretend. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. See, our reputation is what people know us for. But our true character is what we and our conscience knows. And that which God also knows. He says you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Verse 2, wake up. I'm reading from the NIV. That is why maybe some of you might be thinking that it doesn't sound like the King James. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Something remains. Strengthen it, otherwise it will even die. For I have not found your work complete in the sight of God. This is heartbreaking. May, 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 may this not be the verdict of God concerning you. The Bible says, I haven't found your work complete. It is not perfect in the sight of God. This morning, this evening, ask yourself, as you are busy serving God, calling yourself a Christian, calling ourselves a church, what will be the verdict of the Lord Jesus Christ? Has he found our personal works of service to Christ complete? In the sight of God. Now he says. Remember therefore. What you have received and heard. Remember the teachings you received before. Remember the doctrines you received from the beginning. Receive, remember the basic teaching of the Christian faith. We can't. See sometimes we are looking for fresh revelation. You, you can't build without a foundation. And if we don't activate the foundation, the building, no matter what we add to it, has no future. If the foundation is destroyed, what can the righteous do? It says, obey it, that which you heard from the beginning, obey it. It means they've come to a place, they know so much, but they obey little. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up because you've been sleeping on the job as a Christian, I will come like a thief and you will not know what time I will come to you. And you know that a thief doesn't come to compliment you. When he says he's going to come as a thief, he doesn't endorse thieving or stealing or thievery. But actually, he's representing something to you that if a thief comes, he's going to take away what you have. And it's not going to take away anything you have. No thief with guns and ammunition will just want to enter your house and steal something that is insignificant. He will take the most precious thing from you, even sometimes kill you, take your life. He says, I will come to you quickly like the way a thief comes. And definitely, I will take something from you that you won't like. Amen. Then he says, yet, verse 4. 
I, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. The Bible says we, we have washed robes in the blood of Jesus. Then when we sin, we are soiling our clothes. Jesus is monitoring us. And he says, there are few people in the church who despite all this backsliding, they have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white. White be a symbol of victory. For they are worthy. May this be your testimony. May this be the testimony and the verdict of your Savior, Jesus the Christ. He says, he who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life. It is possible then, therefore, that some people's names can be blotted out. Because the one speaking is the one who is in charge of all these. But will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. Remember that in the book of Mark, he says that if you are ashamed of me and my father, and if you are ashamed of me and my works in this adulterous and sinful generation, then I will also be ashamed of you when the son of man comes into glory before his father and the angels. And he's repeated the same thing in Revelation, telling you that the one who spoke in Mark is the same person speaking here. He says that I will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, including our church, in Jesus' name. Let him hear. Tonight I pray that your spirit will hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. And you are a member of the church. You are a part of the body of Christ. All Christians across the globe are members of one body, the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, the city of Sardis was the capital of the ancient city called Lydia. Or the ancient country called Lydia. And it is a very major route where trade occurs. In fact, it was so wealthy and it was one of the first cities in that part of the world that Apostle John planted the church. So this church was even planted by John the Apostle. It was a very wealthy city and yet also a very wicked city. Sardis was very wealthy. The people in it were very wealthy. They belonged to a certain class. And if you have this class in church, I tell you, you'll be smiling. <laughs> you love this class. But sometimes the class can enter into our spirit and our minds. And we no longer feel that we need to do certain things to serve God. They lived in luxury. They were blessed. They were prosperous. But they had issues. The first thing Jesus said about this church. And we need to make that comparison to see how does that compare to today's church. And especially to you as a Christian. When we are looking at the church. I want you to look at it from three levels. The pastor, the congregation, that is you as an individual and the whole church as a congregation. So let me say that again. The pastor, you as an individual and when we all gather together, this is the church. The pastor is the church. You as an individual, you are the church. And when we all come together, we are the church. The mystery of the church. <laughs> Amen. Now, Jesus comes in and his first thing here was the condemnation. Let's look at the condemnation. What was the problem with this church? Because I, as you can see, the problem in the Sardis church was not heresy. The problem in the church of Sardis was not heresy. There were no Nicolaitans there and there were no issues about Balaam. There was not a doctrinal preaching issue. That was not their problem. That was the problem of Thyatira and Pergamos. It tells you that Jesus is even mindful of the kind of teachings that go on in our churches. So for the churches in Pergamos and Thyatira, they received rebuke for accepting and allowing wrong doctrine to be taught. Because doctrine makes all the difference between going to heaven and going to hell. Adam and Eve had a doctrine from the Lord God himself. He said of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the doctrine of the knowledge of good and evil, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, the day you eat it, that day you shall surely die. And after some time, another 
preacher came to town. His name is Reverend Satan. He used to work with God. He was God's personal assistant. He rebelled, broke away from heaven, took one third of the congregation of the church and brought them down to hell. And he visited Adam and Eve in their home. And he told them, God is lying. He too came with his own doctrine. They accepted his doctrine. And ladies and gentlemen, the rest is history. We are here today. That's why Jesus had to come and for Easter to occur. Drunk doctrine. It made a difference. They, once they accepted Satan's doctrine, they were kicked out of the garden. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not joking when it comes to doctrine. That's why it's important who is feeding you with the word of God. Nothing just goes. As they say, all dance be dance. No, all word no be word. Are you here? Glory be to Jesus. There is a genuine and a true word of God. And there is another word that looks like the word, but it's not it. Satan brought a word. It looks like the word, but it was not it. Satan's message was about a tree. God's message was also about a tree. It was about a fruit. It was about a fruit. And then he comes in and twisted the whole thing. Said, Did God say that you shall not eat of anything in the garden? Twisted the question. Confused Eve a little bit. Eve got it right. Then he went on to say, God is lying. The day you eat it, you will become like God. Your eyes will be open. God doesn't want you to be like him. And they believed the doctrine of the devil. And they lost it completely. They didn't become God. We are here. <laughs> but they were kicked out of the garden. May you not be kicked out of heaven. In Jesus name. And so, the, their problem was spiritual death. The problem in the church in Sardis was not heresy. It wasn't doctrinal issues. It was spiritual death. Because Jesus said to them, look at it. Look at the condemnation. He says to them, they have a reputation. They have a reputation of being alive, but they are dead. First of all, he introduced himself by saying he is the one that holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The seven spirits of God is the Holy Spirit that encompasses these seven churches. Just as the Holy Spirit still encompasses our churches today. The seven stars are the seven ministers of the seven churches of the book of Revelation. And Christ says he knows their deeds. He said, I know what you have been doing. Sometimes we forget that he knows what we are doing. He knows inside out. May we be pure and genuine. And then he goes on starting what the problem is. He says, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You see, we can fool people by making them think we are on fire for God. Whereas God knows we are not on fire for him. That's exactly what he was doing here. These people had a reputation. They have very beautiful buildings. Remember, they are very rich. When it comes to fundraising, they will just raise the money. They build magnificent church buildings, but they are dead inside it. Spiritually, they are dead. Morally, they are dead. When you are spiritually dead, you'll be morally dead as a consequence. Because your moral compass is informed by your spiritual compass. And our spiritual compass is from the word of God. If the word of God feeds your spirit, that will make you uphold moral virtues those without the spirit of god and without the word of god don't have any morality to be ashamed of they have nothing to stand for when it comes to morals they don't regard it and don't think it's anything and so the bible says this church this group of people this congregation these members of this church they have a reputation people see them as if they are busy working for God, but they are not. It was pretense. It was hypocrisy. They appear to be holy. They appear to be on fire, but they are spiritually dead. That means it is possible to be coming to church, and yet you are spiritually dead. You are empty. You are not fruitful. You are not connected at all. You are just coming and going. And Jesus said, I know what you have been doing. I've been watching these things. And he says that he knows them. And I said earlier on, you see, the issue here is that we, we pretend a lot. We, we, we try to impress people. 
as if we are spiritual and we are not. We interest people that we pray and we don't pray. Satan knows it, your conscience knows it, and the Lord knows it. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not serve Jesus Christ by trying to impress others. If you are impressing others, impress genuinely. But your impression should be towards God who sees you. And when you genuinely honor God, you become an example for others who would want to follow. But most of the time, the pretense is there. We come with magnificent church buildings, magnificent uniforms, powerful appearances, sometimes even the jargons. But it's all spiritual emptiness, emptiness, dryness. We can fool people by making them think that we are really on fire for Christ. But we can't fool Christ. We can't fool Christ. We can fool people to think that we are holy. As for us, we don't commit all the sins that the people talk about. But God knows that you are lying. We can put up all those appearances. But that is not the truth. Because Jesus is looking at you genuinely. What kind of Christian are you as you hear the sound of my voice today? Sometimes we cover our spiritual deadness and emptiness with activity but those things doesn't really impress the lord if we are not doing his will according to his will we are just engaging in activity without fruitfulness that comes from god and that was the problem here we impress others but those people we try to impress with the lies with the pretenses they can't save us we must be careful of not pleasing the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who has power to throw us into hell or power to take us to heaven. One day he said, fear not them that kill the body but can't kill the soul. But fear him who has power to condemn both soul, spirit and body into hell. Fear him rather. So the people we try to impress, if we are not genuine and honest, from this evening, let your Christianity impress the one who called us. And what he asks us to do, more than trying to come up and cover our spiritual dryness and deadness with activity that has no spirit of God. And there are many churches that are like that. And there are many individuals like that. They come to church, but you find a way, if you get close to them and you talk to them, you find the emptiness in them, the dryness in them. They have no connection. They don't read their Bibles, but they create impression that they also read their Bible. They seem. And they pretend as if they are holy. Well, you can deceive your friends for a while, but you can't deceive the Lord Jesus Christ. Not for one moment. And the sad thing is that Satan also knows you are lying. So you see, sometimes our churches, there are churches that can be full. But there's nothing righteous in that place. It is time that a church goes back to morality, to integrity, to the fear of God. And not all this showmanship that we see around. And sometimes that is what people are now growing to see. And they think it's church. If we have a church that is 10,000 people. And all of them are walking in the fear of the Lord. That's good. But if we have got magnificent cathedrals. With emptiness. One day Jesus said that these people are like whitewashed tombs. Tombs that have been painted nicely. But inside it are dead men's bones. That's exactly what happens. So some of our churches are powerless. And some of the Christians that make the loudest noise, they are so powerless when the devil is walking near their door. In that any issue, they don't even know how to pray. They are forgotten how to pray. But they are in places and they are excited. We wear the t-shirts and all those things around the place. And yet, spiritually, you can't even cast a demon out. You can't do anything for God. You are empty. We, we just have this situation. And Jesus looked at them and said, you have a reputation as if you are alive, but spiritually you are dead. You carry no power because the presence of God is not with you. So the church in Sardis had gained a great reputation. They appeared to be doing great works throughout the city, but inwardly they are dead. See, our good things alone will not save us. We can be very charitable and do charity stuff. But ladies and gentlemen, the primary calling of the church is not charity. Amen. Primary calling of the church, charity, they come along. But the true thing is to ensure the salvation of people and get them born again. We can give food to many people, 
But in the midst of giving food, we must never be shy of actually telling them they need to be born again. If we think that we won't say it, but the more we give them food, they will know the Lord Jesus. The Bible didn't say as many as receive food shall be born again. It said as many as heard the word and believe it and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, they shall be saved. This is the work of the church. So sometimes the church gradually dies. If such a church founded by John, that means that the problem of the church of Sardis, as we see today, is that some of these churches that are characteristic of the church of Sardis were founded by genuine men and women of God. Like the apostle John. And yet somewhere along the line, complacency, complacency comes in. And we begin to do activity instead of being led by the spirit. So we, we go along doing what all others are doing. And we have a reputation. Powerful pews, great men, politicians, everyone. is there in our church and we boast about it. But what is the power in the church? Is Jesus Christ also there with them? Is a church doing what it's supposed to do? And as a believer, you have to ask yourself, are you like Sardis? Are you in a place which started very well, but somewhere along the line, complacency sets in. We take things for granted. So long as the crowd is there, so long as the congregation is there, so long as the buildings are nice and they are looking powerful, so long as the billboards and the signboards are there, and so long as we've got the catchphrases and the internet and all of those things, and then we think we are doing the work of God. But when Jesus examines us, we just have a reputation. But spiritually, we are dead. People don't read their Bibles. People are not righteous. People don't fear God. People take things for granted. And we just come together again another Sunday. And we just give ourselves high fives. Pat ourselves in the shoulder. And do a lot of charity, voluntary work. And give to the poor. And do all those things. And that is a reputation without spiritual maturity. Without a fear of God. May the Lord help this church. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So there are powerful buildings full of people, but it is not full of the spirit. And Sardis is like that, was like that. The spirit of God has departed from the church. And they've been gathering and they are there. And he says, I know what you have been doing. So outwardly we appear, but inwardly, congregation member, what have you been doing? It is the duty of the pastor led by the spirit of Christ to teach the word of God. Every member of the congregation must be involved in the work of the ministry. Teaching believers, witnessing to people to be born again, actively participating in every work of the ministry from administration to driving vans and buses for the church, all those things to help the work of God. The pastor does the teaching, the people do the work of the ministry. This is the assignment, but there are times like the church in Sardis where everything is relaxed. The people just bring their money. Recently, I told somebody, we don't need your money necessarily. We don't need it. I want you to have a spirit of God and a fear of God. That is important. Because you see, we come to a place where sometimes people just think that, you know, oh, me, my contribution is just to help the church. So I wait and give financially to the church. It's good to give financially, but I'm concerned about your spiritual state. I'm concerned about your spiritual state. Because if you get lost, then you are like one of these churches. You, you, are not, you are not spiritual. This person may, will not be very spiritual. He doesn't know the word of God. doesn't read his Bible every day. He doesn't do any of all these things. And, and yet, you know, if we are just there only to receive your money because the church needs money, I'm not helping you. But not only that, sometimes we are teaching the right thing. But people's mindset also means that I ask for me, oh, serving in church is not my area. Me, any little money I have, I just give and we go along. No, I'm interested in your service of Christ because you will be judged on your service of Christ. Who have you gotten born again? See, it's one thing to give money to church, but that is not what God is calling you for. He actually wants you to grow as a Christian and to be able to look at an unbeliever and preach to that unbeliever to become born again. Every believer 
that is busy at church but cannot do this basic work of the ministry, you have a reputation but you are dead. That's how Jesus judges us. This is how he assesses us. Who have we talked to in the past two days, in the past 30 days, even just around Easter, when Easter presented an opportunity to even use the occasion and the ceremony and the period to actually draw the mind of someone to the fact that Jesus died for you. We are ashamed to do it. We have become specialists. We can do so many things in church. But look at this. These people have been going to church. The church was not dead. It was full of people. And yet the father said, you are dead. Jesus said, oh, they are dead. <laughs> they, they, they can gather, but I'm not among them. See, spiritual deadness is the absence of the spirit of God in a place or in a person. So within the congregation, and the reason why it is in the congregation is that the congregation is made up of the individual groups of people. So if all of us are spiritually dead, when we gather, it is spiritual death in capital letters. We have met. Spiritual death headquarters. All the branches came together. They are dead. And Jesus, Jesus' assessment. Tonight, you have to ask yourself, is he looking like me? Do I look like a member of the church in Sardis? Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Because the pastor must not do all the work. The work of the ministry is this way. The pastor is called filled with, Unless the pastor too is not praying. Because there are pastors who they don't pray. They don't read the Bible. They wait till when they have to preach. Then they start looking for CCCC. Where is it in the scriptures? Then they start looking for, can I add one or two things here and come and preach? And they shout, preaching from first imaginations without the spirit of God. And they just say something and just go and sit down. Sometimes we have to be afraid of God. That even what I am preaching, did he ask me to preach it? When you finish preaching, people can clap for you, but is the Lord, does he have the Lord's approval? May the fear of God return to the church in the name of Jesus. So he gave us a great commission. That's the work he wants us to do. But we have all relaxed. Are we waiting for only the pastor to do it? We have become so spiritually dead that we don't even care about what is going on in our world today. See, when we stop focusing on the assignment Jesus gave us, we become spiritually detached. We just go through the motions. It's time to go to church. We appear. Then we come back. We carry our Bibles until we just carry Bibles to church back and forth and don't know anything in the Bible. We don't know anything in the Bible. We just carry it with us. And you see it around. Sometimes you look at church history. You find out that some churches start well. And then very soon, people still gather there. But it has become a social gathering. The spirit of God has departed from the place. The people are just empty. And when there is any challenge, they now run to other places. Looking for help from beggarly elements. As the scripture said in Colossians. Be Thessalonians. Beggarly elements. He said, having begun in the spirit. Have you now concluded in the flesh? And now we can go to shrines to go and ask for, from church. Because we have lost it spiritually. They were dead. And when you become spiritually detached like that, now you find out that you even argue for certain positions of worldly people. When you should be arguing for the biblical position, Everything, anything goes. You don't even care anymore about whether government is forcing us to accept certain lifestyles which are not Bible-based. And we lack the boldness to stand because we are dead spiritually. When a church begins to argue what God has commanded, when, whenever we argue what God, when we argue against what God has made a command, we bring ourselves under a curse. But when you see churches, no matter their big names, and the number of people that follow them, those things don't move me anymore. The fear of God is what moves me. And they, with their reputation, are now arguing for lifestyles that God has made his mind clear about. It's a tragedy. It tells you how dead that church or that believer has become. And that is a characteristic of sadness. When anything, any lifestyle that the word of God has spoken clearly about, if you throw your weight behind it, you are dead spiritually. You are not in touch with the spirit. 
you are not in touch. And sometimes you've got people who claim to be Christians and yet making apologies for things like that. Politicians apologizing for going to a church that holds biblical positions. I said to that pastor, when it comes for elections, we will also be very sorry for that political party. We will be very, very sorry. Because it is time for Christians to stand their ground on what the word of God says. Otherwise, we are dead. We, we, are, we are having an activity without any backbone to do it because we have lost the power of the spirit. You can't preach the word. You can't stand for what God truly said unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit. The boldness to preach some messages comes from the spirit of God. It says you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes and you shall be my witnesses. You can't talk like Paul and Peter and James and John and Moses. You want to carry Moses' anointing, but you are not ready to stand and preach like Moses. You can't. Compromises all over. So we have a reputation. We have titles and offices and church buildings. And we call ourselves Christians. And yet when it comes to the work of the Lord and defending the truth of the word, we are concerned that we might be offending someone. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> This thing, you are a messenger. The creator of the person who thinks he or she will be offended. That creator who made that person is saying, this is wrong. You can't say that one too. <laughs> then we have to ask, who is your master here? That person you don't want to offend or the one who created you who said, say it this way. That's how churches end up being dead. That's how Christians end up being dead. We are spiritually dead. We have an activity. We just go up and down. But when it came to the real thing, we have lost it because, you see, continuous disobedience to the order of the Holy Spirit will make the Holy Spirit withdraw. His inspiration will be withdrawn. That's why the scripture says, quench not the spirit. Because what's the point in giving you revelations? And for you to maybe, let's say, the Lord wants you to pray about it all the time. You are not praying. Very soon, you stop hearing from God. The Holy Ghost has no time to waste. That's why God does substitution reactions, as I always say. It's like a football coach. If you are not performing, he will change you. And throughout the scriptures, we see him do things like that. And this church in Sardis, this was their problem. They were spiritually dead. Many of the Christians were spiritually dead. And if we have to be mature Christians, it means working more for God. Amen. Working hard for Christ. Teaching new Christians in the way that Christ expects them to live. Sometimes we become so dead to what is going on. We don't care how many unborn babies are destroyed. We don't care. We just live our lives and just become selfish. And we don't care about the things of God in the land. Spiritually, we are dead to movements of the powers of darkness. No, it's only about us. It's a sign that we are dead spiritually. We are dead. Because the spirit of God who inspired these things has withdrawn. He may be there, but his inspiration is gone. Because we have been so disobedient. God doesn't work that way. In Jesus' name. This was the problem of the church. Active, busy, busy for nothing. Nothing spiritually works. Then he gives a stern warning. The Lord gives a stern warning. This is the warning, verse 3. Remember therefore what you have received and heard. This is past tense. What you received and you heard. What did you hear from the beginning? Holiness. Righteousness. Fear of God. Working for God. Be a constant soul winner. You know, it's a tragedy. Sometimes as a pastor, you've seen so many things. You find there are some people in the congregation. As for them, anything about evangelism, they just think, oh, for us, this is not for us. Really? Who gave you that right to determine which is for you in the house? The master said this is the function of every believer. And you are a Christian. For all this while you have been in church. As for evangelism, you don't do one. No, it's not. It's the start of your business. Let me announce to you. By the word of the living God, you are dead. You are in danger zone with the master. 
when we appear before him, we will be judged not because we became businessmen or we became doctors or engineers. We will be judged whether we did the master's will. That is what the scripture says. And this is why we must be afraid of God. You see, we can be wealthy like the church in Sardis. And sometimes when prosperity comes, we think we have graduated. So we are above serving in the house of God. No. <laughs> the one whom you need to serve, himself is the owner of all the riches. May we not become wealthy, prosperous, and neglect the work of God. Nobody grows above this assignment of the church. Amen. Nobody grows above it. He says, remember what you received and what you heard. What did you hear from the beginning? What was the message you heard when you first became a Christian? You know, there's this song that we used to sing. and It's a tragic song to be singing, but it's a true song. And it is the, 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 the believer who sings such a song, you have to ask, where were you? Sometimes we sing it because we remember olden days. But it's a very serious song to sing. When it sing, take me back to the place where I first received you. Really? What has happened to you? It's a song of the backslider. It's a song of the backslider who now needs revival. Take me back to the place where I first received you. Where I first believed. We should be going forward, but if we have to go back, then that is the cry of a believer who has been in Sardis. That's what the Lord said to them. You, you are not in my good books at all. You need to go back to what you heard from the beginning. How you used to want to be in church every week until church, you became so familiar with the presence of God. And now when they said teaching service, it doesn't move you anymore. You have become so familiar. The greatest tragedy in your spiritual walk is to become familiar with the presence of God, the gathering of the people of God, and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a dangerous zone to find yourself. And ladies and gentlemen, the church in Sardis were in this state. And as Jesus was scanning through the churches, he came to them and said, this is my problem with you. My problem with you, Sardis people. This is my problem. You are busy, but you are dead. Because so long as you are not doing the will of God, spiritually you don't have life. He says, what you have received and heard, obey it. We have, when we stop obeying what we used to believe, we are backslided. He says, and then repent. You heard from the beginning. We were excited to be available. Now, service is being organized. You just take it for granted. It was one of those movies I'm going to watch on my phone. You, you have to learn to connect. In person or out person. Be there. Connect. Serve God in the same way. Fear God. Fear God. Fear God. You see, when it's time for church service, you can't just be doing any other thing. You, you have to disengage from every other thing. It's a sign that you hold your God in high esteem. See, the things that are important to your friends, when it's time for them to do it, they focus on it and they tell you they are busy. It's time for you to tell them that you are busy. It's time for you to connect with your God. Now we take it for granted. Jesus service is going on or not. We don't care. We just don't care. Oh, as for me, weekday service is not my thing. Really? Really? As the guns will say, oh, Banoi. <laughs> I don't know how to say that in English. <laughs> but you, <laughs> you are full of yourself. It's not your thing. Ladies and gentlemen, it means that the Lord is not your Lord. Because when the Lord is your Lord, you do what your Lord says. Do you understand the word Lord? It means in Hebrew, is Adonai, master, owner. <laughs> we are abusing the freedom. But I want you to know, he described himself in Revelations as one that has the eyes that are like flaming fire. Church, it's not going to be a very easy judgment. Paul described it. He said, some people's work will be bent with fire. It will be tested with fire on that last day. We won't be here forever. 
But there's a coming tide. And somebody will be saying, what has happened to this man? That all this for the past Wednesday has just been coming to warn us. This is the assignment of true men of God. Hallelujah. We, we are not loto prophets. We bring the word of God. And you see, every true prophecy, ladies and gentlemen, true prophecies from God are not always good news. Check the scriptures. That's why they stone the prophets. If prophetic ministry is always good news, we have to question a few things. Because prophetic messages from God, that this is a word from God, comes with a warning. Unless other people are doing all the right things. But check it, this, the book of Revelation is a prophetic book. And then they were told, God has a word for the pastors in the church. And we have been reading for the past three weeks. And see whether any of them is good news. <laughs> and it's not because you deliberately want to give out bad news. But the truth is that there's too much pretense and hypocrisy in the house of God. And God is looking at us and wondering, are we who we say we are? If you say that you read four chapters a day, do you really read for four chapters a day? Or yours is four chapters every year? So your four chapters a year is divided into words. You read one word, eh. Next day you read de. It takes you a month to be able to see the angel Gabriel. But we are busy with all other things. Sometimes the sad thing is when sometimes unbelievers are speaking against the church. We also want to defend the church. But ladies and gentlemen, you carry no power. You carry no word. You are empty. You are just shouting. And you see that you are struggling. You can't defend Christ. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. That was the saddest problem. Saddest problem. And if you do not wake up from this state where we have neglected the basic teachings. Today's Christian want to hear further revelations. But the basic teachings of Christ. Repentance from dead works. Faith towards God. The doctrine of baptisms. By this time, there should be many Christians that you are laying hands on to receive Holy Ghost baptism. When we were growing up as Christians, we were praying for people to speak in tongues. We were Brother James. <laughs> That is our desire. We go and pray all night. We have all night prayer meetings full of the spirit. I, you see, there are some people who are hired to go to funerals to go and cry and they pay them. Me, I go to funerals to go and preach. I go to funerals that has nothing to do with me. That was my zeal. When school is on vacation, that's what I do. I look out for funerals. And I go to funerals that I don't know anybody, but I just go with tracks just to make sure that I get somebody born again. We were carrying zeal, shamelessly and fearlessly. We ended up in the homes of very senior political figures with security. And they asked me, what do you want? I said, I want to preach to the man. In one of the instances, the man is such a great man within the country. And it's, it was like you have taken a risk to come here. But the fire of the Lord was in our hearts and you are in sixth form. Like Jeremiah, it was in our bones. That was all our bedding. Lord, use me to get someone saved. Today's Christians, we are preaching and praying for shoes and shirts. And houses and cars. You see, when you get all this without a spiritual foundation, it will collapse on you. You will backslide. These things will just enter. You just be like Balaam. You will fall away. That was the problem of Sardis. They became so wealthy. That they lost their spiritual connection. And they thought because they have got a lot of money to be building churches for Jesus, he was going to be happy. He said, this is still not it. You just have a reputation. But spiritually, I have departed from you. Your way of life, you no longer pay attention to my instructions. I went there. The security was there. They, they said, I said, I want to see him. And I think they just took me for granted. They laughed. So they went in to go and tell him, there's a young man standing outside. We have been trying to tell him that you can't see him. And he still says he wants to. And interestingly, strangely, to my pleasant surprise, this great man, this great politician in Ghana, we have read about him. Still not too old. I mean, he's in his old age, but he's still strong. 
said to the security, allow the young man in. And I went in, sat in the living room. He said, what is your mission? I said, I want to come and preach Jesus Christ to you, for you to be born again. <laughs> he looked at me, and I said, give me five minutes of your time. So I preached to him, and I led him to Jesus Christ. And after we have said the sinner's prayer, he, and the, one of the reasons why I'm sharing this with you was that when I entered his living room, he was on the phone with the sitting president of the country. And he asked the president to hold on that a young, and he said this on the phone, a young evangelist has come into my house. Sir, give me a few minutes, I will return this call. And he paid attention to me. I preached to him. He received Jesus Christ. And when we finished, he said to me, you are very bold. And you have touched my heart with the message you just preached. You asked me for five minutes, but you have preached for 15 minutes. Try to stick to your time. You'll be able to win all these other people that are around this place. There are a lot of big men like me here. And they don't know this Jesus you are presented. But something has warmed up in my heart. Young man, something has warmed up in my heart. And he said, go, you'll be fine. But I've accepted your message. Two weeks later, there was breaking news. He has passed on to glory. He has died suddenly. Ladies and gentlemen, it was the bedding of the Lord. I know that one day when I get to heaven, I will receive an award for getting him born again. That one I know. I know. In Jesus' name. But this is what we must be doing. Shamelessly and fearlessly. This is the word of God. We could have given, I could have given a lot of excuses. Look at the security. Which young boy can go to that house with all those big dogs and soldiers in that place? But how, how dare you think that he's not born again, that he doesn't know Christ? He goes to church. The media shows him all the time. But I got to this place and he really was dead spiritually. He receives Christ. Two weeks later, sometimes what God is burdening you to go and do, the devil will not be the one to inspire you to preach someone, to preach to someone. So when you feel like, I feel like preaching to this guy, but I'm a shy. I sit on a train. I feel like preaching to them. You are shy. Don't be shy. Be drunk in the Holy Ghost and preach the gospel. If anybody is on a train and they have really taken in some bottles of alcohol, they will misbehave publicly and they won't be shy. Get drunk in the Holy Ghost. Stand there. Misbehave spiritually. Preach and let people born, be born again. Please Jesus that way. The compromise in Sardis was their wealth, their status. Now, you see, my class, I don't feel like coming down. Why should I come and stand at Bestly Heat Market and be preaching? To, oh, no. I will sit at home. Don't worry. I can wire some money to you. Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord is not interested in that. Money is needed for the advancement of the gospel, but he wants everyone to take time and serve him. He said, the things you heard from the beginning... Those of you in Christchurch, the teachings you received when you came to New Life School, those teachings you received, the teachings on the resurrection, the teachings on the end time, the teachings about baptism, the teachings about repentance, the teachings about salvation, the teachings about the concept of being born again. We need to teach them over and over and grow in them. There are still millions who don't know Jesus and we are busy. We are busy creating an impression but don't you see that the impression we are creating is not true because there are still many more unsafe people around us. That tells us our impact is not really impacting them. Tonight, may the Lord deliver us from the saddest disease in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And last you look at it, we will see that's when he rebuked them and said they should repent and go back to the teachings they received first. May we go back to the teachings we received. May we go back to the basic teachings of the word of Jesus Christ. May we go back to the basic practice of daily prayer and daily reading of the word and daily practice of the word of the Lord that we have read and the daily preaching of the word to the people that not do, not, don't know Jesus Christ. And our activity in the house of God, whether we are under COVID restrictions or not, people must still be engaged in pleasing Jesus Christ and working for the church. It is the duty of every believer to work for the church. Amen. To work for the church. It is a sign of spiritual death 
to assume that the church belongs to a man. Are, are you here tonight? Because nobody can see God. He, this is how he does his church. He will call a man or a woman and use them to do his work and to found a church. Glory be to Jesus. That's why we need to wake up spiritually. So I'm not going to support this. It's, it's for the man. It's for the man and his family. Even when the thing is called Christ Church International. Then would you be in a church called Billy Graham Ministries? That one is called by the name of the man. Even there, there are people who have been dead for 60 years. Committed members. And the Lord has blessed their lineage as well. And it is a matter of spirituality. This church was full of upper class people. They didn't start like that. As the nation became wealthy, the people worked in the city. The place became wealthy. And instead of us to combine both our wealth and our standing for Christ, wealth enters our head. And we begin to look down on the assignment that we have been given. Nobody would take any of this wealth away. But when we stand before him one day, he will judge us. And that should be our fear. He says, Sadis, you are making big mistakes there. We should be indebted to Christ. We should be doing everything that we can in serving him. We should do everything to serve Jesus Christ and to raise high his banner in Jesus' name. Let's get things right. Let's get Christ back to where he is supposed to be in our lives. God should be first. Everything else should be second. God should be first. Everything else must come after God. Because he says, if you don't, I'm coming very soon. And I'll come like a thief. The question is, are we serving him or we are serving the world? Sadist people began to compromise with politicians and the world. The world, we no longer, you know, everything goes so long as we can just come. It's just a little prayer now. See, when we become sadist, you know, we would like to go to church, but we don't want it to, to be there for too long. <laughs> And this day, the sermon is too long. You know, anything 30 minutes is not very good for the people. It's not good for the people. They just can't concentrate. You know, we are businessmen. We don't have the time to sit down for one hour. <laughs> you don't have time. But you have time to watch other things for hours. You have time to go to stadium and go and watch unbelievers. Playing, kicking leather. 22 people running and kicking leather. Is that life? This is entertainment. That we can have the time to sit and watch. But when we have to come to church, when we started, we were busy. Now, church is, takes too long. Oh, afternoon church. See, I'm not carved out for afternoon church. Isn't it amazing how quickly we backslide from our fear of God? If God is there and you believe he's there, it doesn't matter which time of the day, you will wake up and be part of it. Sadis. Then he comes in, the commendation. So he criticized them and rebuked them for all those things and told them to repent. Then he comes in, finally, as I draw the message to a close. Revelations 3, 4, he says, Yet you have a few people. This is the most saddest part of the whole thing. Few people. Who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white. For they are worthy. Few people. Such a big church. Only a few people are walking in righteousness. They are walking in obedience to the word of God. Only a few people. And Jesus saw those few people. Tonight I came to speak to you as you hear the sound of my voice. May you be part of the few. Who have not soiled their clothes. One day, Elijah received a shock. He thought he was the only one that has been left. He said, everybody is worshiping Baal. I am the only one that is left. And God said to him, don't worry. I have reserved for me 7,000 whose knees and whose mouths have not kissed Baal. God still have a remnant of righteous people. So they were, don't let the majority fool you. In this lesson here, thank God for his grace. There were still some people in the church who it doesn't matter what the majority are doing. So long as it's not in the will of God, they stood by their position. 
and they receive commendation. Don't be moved because a lot of people in church are doing this. Be a Christian. Follow what the word of God is saying, not what a lot of people are doing. If a lot of people are following God's word, that's fine. But if a lot of people are not following God's word, still be like those few people whose garments have not been soiled. Compromises in the church. Things that are taken for granted in the church. Thousands come in here, but only a few are walking in the fear of God. Thousands want help. Thousands want to identify they are members. But when it comes to get up for morning devotion, we count four. He said, only a few. May you be part of the few. Don't come under any form of peer pressure to deviate from the Lord Jesus Christ. Because look at how he sees things. This is what must be the lesson for us. That actually he's looking at every church and looking at every believer. He addressed the pastor, he addressed the congregation and addressed individuals and said there are only a few here who have no soil. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let people think certain things about you. I want you to know that your conduct is being monitored by God himself. And he's watching us. He says only a few have not soiled themselves. May you not soil your clothes. If you wear white shirt and you soil it, it becomes so obvious. It becomes so obvious. And if there's something between white shirt and palm fruit soup, sometimes you don't know what happened before you realize the thing has gone in there. Don't soil your garments. In Jesus' name, let the word of God guide you. He said, they will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. They will carry the glory of God. He said, they will walk with me. That means that there are some people in the church who God, Jesus is not walking with them. They come to church and go. But then there's this group that no matter what is going on, the word of God has become their focus. The service of, course of God is their focus. And he says, my presence is with them. My presence will be with them. And they will walk in victory. What we call worldly victory is not the same as spiritual victory. The blessings of the Lord truly makes rich and adds no sorrow. May there be revival again in the church. In the name of Jesus. Only a few. Only a few. Then he says to them, repent. May we repent of our sins. The things that have soiled our clothes. Repent of them tonight. And let Jesus take his place in Jesus' name. Then he says in the verse number five, he who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Lord says, the Spirit says to the churches. So Christ is telling us if anyone overcomes this disbelief, this unbelief, and repent from their sins and accept him as their savior and Lord, then they too will be dressed in white. Let there be repentance today. Tonight, assess yourself. Where do you stand? In Jesus' name. He says he will never blot out their names. He's talking to Christians, the people in the church. He won't blot out their names. <laughs> because he's sitting in a church every Sunday. And not doing the will of the master doesn't take you to heaven. Amen. It doesn't get your name in the book of life. And sometimes it must be a genuine repentance. Because sometimes you wonder whether people have genuinely repented. May we have genuine repentance. There are people who say they are Christians and they are not. Sometimes you need to probe further to find out whether they are truly Christians. There are people who go to church and for all you, they have, never, they have never given their life to Jesus. They just join the crowd. And then they are put into departments and ministries without fact-checking. Nobody should stand at God's altar without having made a confession of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus. And may the Lord bring sanctity to the house of God. May the church be delivered from bringing unbelievers to come and stand in our pulpits to sing. And celebrities who are not born again should not be giving access to a holy place in the church. What are we looking for? We can't be like the world to save the world. And it's all these compromises. 
So I've got all these celebrities in our church. Are they born again truly? Have they given up the things that they stand for? Have they renounced some of the things that they have said? Have they accepted truly Jesus as Lord over their lives? May there be revival in our churches again. True and honest revival. And may the Lord raise genuine men and women in his house again for his service, for worship, for praise. May we have genuine and honest singers, honest worshipers, genuine poets in the house of God. May there be genuine Jesus Christ celebrities in the house of God. May we not be like Sadis. May our reputation not deceive us to take the presence of God and the things of God for granted. Jesus is coming again in the mighty name of Jesus.